to be This is small town music This is big town music He's ahead of his time, you know But he can't use it If only he could prove it Well, tomorrow's just a song away A song away A song away Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. I'm David Wilde, I believe. <laughs> I used to be David Wilde. <laughs> and who are you? I'm, I'm trying to cock block Kyle. That's like my, my gig. Ever since Sammy Hager, I'm just going to try to get in front and not allow him to get any spotlight. Oh my God, when I see those pictures and Kyle's like in the corner, like he should be wearing a dunce cap, like he got in trouble. That's okay. So terrible. So sorry, I, keep, I have to apologize. I'm going to get someone to Photoshop you to the front of the stage. By the way, my son told me after, because my older son was there yes. uh, with us, uh, and Chris Isaac, yeah. my, who's also my illegitimate uh, non-Jewish son. Uh, but uh, my son was like, he goes, you were actually respectful of uh, Pat. And I'm like, yes, you know, he goes, but he goes like, he was like, not since his bar mitzvah when I did not make a joke that I clearly, he could see in my mm-hmm. face there was a joke I yeah. wanted to make and yeah. I stopped myself. He goes, you did not hog the spotlight. He you could have made, thank you. You could have made jokes, but that was nice to not hog. Well, no, I made my joke early on. That was a weird thing. That was, a, um, you know, whenever I would do shows at Sketchfest, I always do them with uh, Jimmy, Jimmy. And so, um, I don't really, that was the first time where I went into that room and I was, I said to Kyle, I go, oh, we have to set up and we have to like test the sound and we have to do all this. I'm used to just coming in and, and doing, right. having fun. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot, I was like, oh boy, this is a lot of pressure, but it was fun. It was though. cool. Yeah, it was cool. Sammy was great. And you have got to get my wife into a taping of Jimmy. Like I'll say it on the show so that it gets done. My wife has to watch Jimmy. She's in love with one well, man. It's Jimmy. What if um I think he wants to have you on the show? So well, that just, would be the ideal one. Yeah. Why don't you just bring her with you? Oh, that would be the best. That yeah. would be a dream come true. My that's uh, a no, no, that's that's a no brainer. My family likes you now, but it is by association. You're like <laughs> you're like bad finger to the, the Beatles. My wife. I don't want to be bad finger. My my wife and and Andrew are literally think Pardo is like uh, uh, the perfect mix of Elvis Costello and Presley. They think he's the king of rock and roll. It's, I, <laughs> you can I, tell him that. Frankly, I'm not a fan. No, I, I listen You can to, tell I'm him not, that and, I, he'll, I and he'll agree with you. Yeah, no, and no, it's like to the point where they want to discuss Peter Cetera with me. Like I've, I've lived my whole life without anyone to talk Cetera with. Oh, by the way, are you not going? I didn't hear. Well, are you not going to the whole No, we have, we, we, we have our plane tickets. We have, we have six tickets to the event. We need to sell four of those. And we have, and we have a, we're staying in an Airbnb. So we're all set. We're just all, we're just disappointed because of what's happening. Oh, it's, I, I mean, I don't like Kid Rock at all. See, I love Kid Rock. Is it, I, but I mean, Billy Corgan. We're very close. Billy Corgan. Kind of similar guys. Billy Corgan could, um, (laughs) Billy Corgan or, or Joe Perry or the Foo Fighters. Oh, for Cheap Trick. Yes. Anyone could induct them. I don't understand the Kid Rock vibe for, to induct them. Yeah, you know, I have. I don't get it. I have friends in high places there. I should step in and try to save this. The Satara thing <laughs> drives me insane. That drives me insane. I, I, it's like I don't, and I don't understand. I, I will say, I once asked the Everly Brothers are one of my favorite groups of all time, and uh, I love the Everly Brothers. And yeah. I, I think I once asked a rock star, 
why do they hate each other so much? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking there was some great metaphysical poetic reason. I think, and I think it was like, I think one of them fucked the other's wife. I'm like, that would do it. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, yeah. yeah. I just, um, like one of the things, but, but you and I get along great. Yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, Satara, one of the things he tweeted was add me to that list. And it was, then he put a link to the list of the people who haven't shown up. And I'm like, well, that, li- that list is full of people who are jerks. Don't right. you look at the list of the people that showed up? Ringo, McCartney, you know, great. Don't you want to be on that list? Who wants to be on the list of the of with David Lee Roth and and Axel Rose? Well, the I weird mean, thing is on. that I have dealt with the other Chicago guys, and I think based on what Pardo said, also they all seem like really nice guys. They're they're a nice group of people. Uh, I did a show with Chris Isaac with them. We did the Chris Isaac show. We had all the Chicago guys in hanging out. It was great. Yeah. And Satara, I would assume based on that, is an ass. Yeah. But uh, the only person I know who ever like spent time with him, Jeff Garland told me he did a bunch of gigs with him, I think corporate and some other things. He goes, nicest guy in the world. So it's I like, I don't know. But I think someone fucks someone's wife. Yeah, because what drives me crazy is, and again, you know, Glenn Fry. Or David Foster. Glenn Fry just passed and Bowie just passed. And this is this is the one time to do it. And then how many fans voted for them? To, like 23 million fans went to their computer and, and clicked, hey, put Chicago in. So I think, you, I think you do owe it to those people. I really do. I mean, a lot of people go, look, they make the music and you buy it and that's the relationship. And if you want to go see it in concert, that's good. But for something like this, when 23 million fans voted for you, I think you got to play one fucking song. All I can figure is that the the era when Chicago when it became really David Foster and Satara mm-hmm. having all those big ballads, I think they must have just hated it and you know hated taking that shit. Yeah. And then they abandoned he abandoned them maybe or whatever. Yeah. And they but that resentment it's like it's all way past that. It's way past. And Why? you know what? Do a song from the Terry Kath era and do one of those sappy ballads which people love anyway. Absolutely. And, and be done with it. In fact, there's a tie to what we're doing today. Because I think I could be so wrong. Oh, shit. If I'm wrong, I'd have to take this out. Uh, but it, getting to know Jeff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I believe his girlfriend is Camilla Kath, uh, was formerly married to Terry. Oh, okay. And she's the nicest, most beautiful yeah. woman. Still crazy beautiful. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Uh, so it all comes back to let's get back to Jeff Lynn and do this show. <laughs> this Kyle, I, Kyle is bored. This is not like one of the ones that's moderately cool enough for you know to really. I think you'll like. Him. I think you'll like ELO more than you liked Dire Straits. Or, oh yeah, for sure. But um, I'm calling this episode. Ele- that was pretty uh, dire. <laughs> Straits. I'm calling this uh, Electric Light Podcast. Is what I'm calling this. What do you think of that? It's pretty weak. Pod orchestra. <laughs> Pod orchestra. If you guys come up with a better title, I'll take it. How about E-E-L-P. hello, David? <laughs> like hello, E-L-O. E-L-O. hello, David. David. <laughs> hello, David Wilde. That sounds like your sitcom that's on Nickelodeon. Hello, David Wilde. <laughs> Dudley um, Moore and I had that on air for about two seasons. <laughs> that's where you moved to Australia and become a music teacher, right? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so just so I know, this is a... Yes, I won the tennis tournament. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> I don't want to talk about David the tennis, won tennis tournament, tournament I won today. today. And he won, he won cash. He won cash. I'm not going to tell you how much, because that way you can think But a lot. But <laughs> well, we, but, the team, won $3,800.75. Yeah. Pretty that's good. That's great. Do you leave with that, or do you have to collect it later, oh, and they send you a check? The, 
there was a it's a Calcutta tournament, so there's a a we were bought out and had mm-hmm. to buy back half our team. So we only get half of our winnings, our, our actual team. It's like how show business works. Yeah, it really is. Some older Jewish guy seems to get a lot of the money. It seems to be the tradition of this uh, this thing. Uh, we're doing ELO today, but you said you brought a couple of Jeff Lynne solo tunes also. Yeah, because the truth is more than, you know, it's like people talk about Brian Wilson mm-hmm. being the Beach Boys yeah. in a certain creative way. But I did once sort of realize no one's ever been as dominant in a group as Jeff Lynne because... Yeah. He wrote, sang, produced, mm-hmm. and basically recorded everything. Yeah. And then as a live act, they, you know, you'd need really good musicians to make it happen. Uh, but there's, there's not one outside producer on any of those ELO records, I don't think. Oh, no. And watching him work, uh, he's just a magician. I actually met him. Uh, I moved out here uh, around the time of. Uh, Full Moon Fever mm-hmm. around that era. And I got to know him while he was working with Petty. And I got to watch his genius because like, you know, and, and I think in a weird way, it's like uh, people don't appreciate how much he did for Petty. Yeah. It's like Full Moon Fever, you know, gigantic. it's a gigantic record. Into the Great Wet Open, some people don't like. I was around for that, so I really love that. Yeah. And then Highway Companion, the last record he did with Petty, to me is one of the most underrated records. Yeah, I love that I album. I love that album. That's a great album. And and that's very Jeff Lynn. And it's also Jeff, if there's any criticism of Jeff, which I don't cotton to, which is you know a phrase I learned mm-hmm. when I was singing Hollas in the uh, American <laughs> yes. South. Yes. I don't cotton to that. Uh, but do people like think he sometimes produced too much? But the truth is... Uh, He's one of the only producers who is that strong a hand and such a strong palette that I cannot get enough of. I think, like, I like him more than Phil Spector. I like him more than, uh, he's just about my favorite producer. Now, have you heard the new Brian Adams album that he produced? I did. I thought it was good. You do, you do like it. See, I didn't, I, I don't hate, I, I, I mean, I haven't listened to it more. I listened to it once, but, uh, I, I like, I like, I think you and I might agree if I'm listening, remembering mm-hmm. correctly. There's one duet with one of the Spice Girls that is like the last Brian Adams song I loved. He When I'm Gone. Yeah, with Mel C. Mel C. Yeah. God, I love that. And then he re-recorded it with Pam Anderson. I do. I bought that too. I'm, <laughs> that, we're the two people, people that who, own that. Who own that. <laughs> uh, I recorded some with Pam, and- Pam Anderson, but let's move on. I got to figure there's only one reason that you ask Pam Anderson to the studio. And that's to sing with her. <clears throat> to look at your taxes? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to do, uh, this is ELO and Jeff Lynn. Hello, David. But no, um, no Wilburys though. No, uh, no, uh, no. Although my favorite other Lin- Jeff Lynn work is, uh, Cloud Nine with George Harrison where oh, sure. there's tracks where like, and I, I do feel incredibly lucky to have been around that sort of world right at that time when they were all like buzzing mm-hmm. with that sort of Wilburys, uh, magic. But like I think Cloud Nine, there's tracks where it really was because if you go to Gone Tropo or some of the stuff before that, yeah, Jeff Lynne really helped George Harrison rediscover his passion for what he did. And there's moments like there's a song called "This Is Love" on yeah, Cloud that's Nine a great that time. I love beyond belief, and it's sort of like he's sort of handing it to George. At least yeah. this is my perception. Like, look how great you are. Like your sound, and it sort of it's a perfect marriage of their two sounds. And I think. That stuff is some of my favorite music. I listened to it uh, yesterday. I listened to This Is Love. I love that. I, li- I like uh, I like his work on the uh, Analog Man, the Joe Walsh album too. Oh, that I I got to be around that one a lot. And then 
Joe Walsh said, you want to come see me? I'm doing this sort of gig to kick off Analog Man at the Roxy. And I was like, sure. And then we get there. And Ringo was drumming in the friggin' Roxy. Because it's his in a, their in a, brother-in-law's. Right, their brother-in-law's, but it's, he was in a Knack t-shirt, which was the coolest part of all. Ringo Starr was in a Knack t-shirt. Yeah, nuke the Knack, or not a nuke the Knack. It was just get the Knack t-shirt, I believe. And Jeff Lynne was on bass. And I'm like, you have to be Joe Walsh to get Jeff Lynne to sit in on a, because Jeff Lynne at that point hadn't played live like at all. And he's doing a club gig sitting in with uh, Joe Walsh. That was great. I say, let's do the, at least you get the Wilburys back together. We get Jeff Lynn, we get Dylan, we get Petty. We add, we add Joe Walsh in there and add, uh, you get McCartney. In. Have I told you my Wilbury story with that? I think I might've, uh, if, if I told you, you can cut it out. I once went for Christmas to Petty's house years ago, 1991 to, it's like you make these stories up. I know. It's I, like it here's what it's like right now. We're we're recording at my house by the way. We're in my rock room is which what is I'm going to call cool. it. Which is super cool. It's this great. Is, this is like the usual suspects. Like you're just looking all around the room and you're like, "Oh, there's a Christmas tree over there and there's a Tom Petty picture and then you just make up a story." I think. Uh yeah. This story I <laughs> I shouldn't tell, but I will say that the Christmas party was I thought it would be 500 people. I was new to LA okay. and I didn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. Still don't have many. And Petty <laughs> invited me and his wife then, his first wife, Jane, invited me over for Christmas. And at a certain point, I'm like, it's like, it's George Harrison. It was Jeff Lynn. It's like 30 people. Do you all have to bring an ornament to put on the tree? I brought a gift exchange, which George Harrison, which was a Beatles Life magazine cover. <laughs> and George Harrison, the coolest first sentence you could ever have with George Harrison mm-hmm. as he opens, Petty opens the gift because I had him in the gift exchange yeah. and he goes to me, um, we're sitting on the couch and George sits next yeah. to me, he goes and he, and Tom opens the thing and he goes, uh, oh yeah, the fabs, I remember them. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, it's like the cool, you know, it's, that, my life, This when I live, when I moved here, it's like none of this ever had happened to me in New York, uh-huh. but you live in LA, you sort of end up in these situations. It's cooler. Uh, oh, but at one point, Tom, forgive me. Okay, so you said there were, th- I interrupted, there's about 30 people there. Yeah, 30 people. In fact, there was a woman, I think I might have said this story on some podcast, but there was a really attractive brunette woman and I'm, I was new to town and mm-hmm. didn't have a girlfriend and I was looking at her going, God, she's sexy. And then I saw a guy come from behind and put his arm around her. It's like, oh no, she's got a boyfriend. And it's like, oh, her boyfriend is her husband and it's George Harrison. And that was Olivia, you know. Uh, so I've, yeah, I, that is, that's your type. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah, she's very much uh, yeah, a, a beautiful yeah. brunette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that was, oh, so during the party at some point, someone might have said, you want to get high with us? Uh, and I don't do drugs, yeah. never have. And I said, no, no, thanks. And I looked up and I realized, fuck, I could have been a Wilbury. <laughs> if they got really high... I there was that's who was what uh, would your Wilbury name be? Uh Irving Wilbury. Uh uh Jewy Jewy Wilbury. <laughs> All right. Uh it's not that I don't like the stories because we could just we could just do David David Wild stories. I don't want to talk about the tennis championship but let's anymore. Uh, okay. You won. You're the king of the courts. King yes, of the Calcutta. Pe- all people the Calcutta, need to know. Which I believe in Calcutta that means if you win a tournament you get to eat. <laughs> In Calcutta. Uh, That's a Trump joke. Trump told me that. Oh, Trump is the best. He's good. Um, do you want to kick it off? Or you want me to kick it off? I'll go first because I wanted, I don't want you to steal this song because okay. this is not only my favorite Jeff Lynn song. Uh, it was originally a move song and all the rock critics, they'll say revoke his critical license because I should pick, I should prefer the move version. I'm like, F that. Yeah. I love Do Ya. Yes. It's maybe my favorite 
Everyone loves it. I don't know anyone that doesn't love it. It's an undeniable track, and I think the ELO version is better. I think this. I think I picked from Flashback, uh, the box set with liner notes by my favorite writer, me. Uh, A different slight version, but this is the ELO version, not the move version of the greatest rock song ever. Rock solid, the rock solid do ya. So this is an alternative mix, maybe. I believe so. All right, cool. Yeah, this is totally different. It's a great song. Yeah, I don't. There's, I don't know how you. There's certain music that you like, but there's also music I don't want to know people who don't like that. If you don't shake no. your head to that, you're not. And I never get, and I never get sick of that song. Yeah, I agree. That's from my favorite, uh, not that version, but that's my. That's where I came into ELO. This is uh, with a, a New World record. Yeah. Uh, Columbia Record and Tape Club. That was one of the choices. One I'm, of your nine choices for one of my nine choices for ninety nine cents. But that's that's still my favorite ELO album too. I love. It's great. But uh, my first uh, my first one is also from that album, nineteen seventy six, and this is uh, Rock Aria. If I'm saying that right. Adam Carolla chose this too when I did a show with him. Agree to disagree. That's what's funny. I, uh, it has opera in the beginning and everything. It's weird. I like when he names all the composers. She's sweet on so you do not like that song i like it no i like everything pretty much on every yellow record that would never make my top hundred but no but so funny. you and adam corolla two podcasters it's so weird i know and like uh love well no and love i love you <laughs> i hate fuck him <laughs> No, that's not true. I love him too. Uh, you're up. Go ahead. What's up? Uh, the first, my, I, you mentioned when you came into the ELO thing. Uh, I came in a little earlier, and I believe it might have been. I, I've often, I, not often. I, mm. I, I, I should take a second and go. What was the year I really got into music? But it was. I think I bought Space Oddity when it, but it was after the fact. I bought Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, and Jim Croce. You don't mm. mess around, Jim. I think right in the moment. And then 
Well, you'd have been like 11 then. Yeah. And I think the single I bought that's one of the first singles I ever loved. And that it's funny. It's like, I think it's sort of John Lennon. I think in a way he channels John Lennon with mm-hmm. a little McCartney in him. Yeah. And to me, Can't Get It Out of My Head was the first thing I bought. And it was a single. And I used to just listen to it over and over again. So I have to go back to uh, El Dorado and really, uh, I think where a lot of Americans got to know ELO. Yeah. Still maybe one of the most purely beautiful songs he ever did. This sounds good in the headphones. Really good. The ocean's It's interesting. Like I think the thing that's the dynamic with Jeff Lynn is if you got to know him, which I hope you will, he's he's a lovely guy, but he's really romantic in these songs. Like that's an incredibly romantic song. Yeah. But he's sort of shy, sort of soft spoken, and kind of almost like the more like the tinkerer in a lab. He's kind of like a you know this techni- Doctor Doctor Frankenstein. Well, no, that's I. But he's not, and yet. The romance pours out of him mm. in certain songs. Like that is just stunner. That's a stunner. And uh, did, you've heard, you've obviously heard Velvet Revolver's uh, cover of that song. Yeah, I forgot about it, but yeah, no, yeah. I do. I do remember that. I mean, it's pretty cool, but it's not not that cool. Yeah, but no, um, but that was a cool. I mean, for them to cover it was a pretty bold choice. I think didn't end up well for Scott Weiland though. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I think people sometimes just forget about ELO. And then when they hear these songs, they're like, you know what? I got to listen to some ELO. Oh, no. Well, one of the things that's, thank you for saying that, because it reminds, what I meant to say is that just when I came in buying that song, I fell in love with the Beatles in a weird way. Like when I did the 60s thing, I was on like talking about the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and like just age wise, I don't remember any of that. I wasn't yeah. around for that. But I fell in love with the Beatles through the people who they inspired yeah. through ELO, through Jeff Lynn, and through the Raspberries, Eric Carmen. That was my I, my moment of watching Ed Sullivan with the Beatles was watching the Raspberries on, I guess it was a midnight special or a Don Kirshner's rock concert, whichever one. I remember that moment being upstairs in my dad's office den and watching the Raspberries and going, oh my God, this is rock and roll. I emailed uh, I emailed Eric Carmen to be on the show because I didn't know that he didn't live in Los Angeles. No, he's, he's in Cleveland and he never yeah, seems to get out here. No. I tweet with him. We, we used to be pretty friendly. There was a time when we were very friendly. I don't think he's out here much. No, he's, he told me if he ever does shows out here, though, he would he would do it. So yeah. He was very nice. It was a, I'm a, it was I'm a, a massive Eric Carmen fan. I, yeah, me too. Huge. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, I love him. I lo- it's so good. 
But uh, that's for another show, I guess. I took a song off the Xanadu soundtrack. Love the love the couple songs. On yeah, it. I put. Uh, I've never seen the movie, but I do know the ELO songs, and this is all over the world. Oh, you stole one of mine. I did. Yep. I think they opened with this at the uh, show recently. Wow. Uh, when you uh, David's actually wearing a uh, he's wearing a laminate around his neck. It's uh, and sunglasses. Well, no, I made line. him take the sunglasses off. It was unsettling. Yes. It doesn't. It just doesn't. I've never seen David in sunglasses, so it doesn't. But he's got the VIP laminate from when Jeff played the Fonda Theater. Well, I was the VIP that was not given a seat, but a standing room only seat by the Jeff, which was I would appreciate. But it, let's it was be such a hot ticket. How many? Uh, how many? How many people does the Fonda Theater hold? Very few, and I think he only had the upstairs. So, you know, yeah, yeah when you're, it's like uh, our friend Steve Lukather, mm. Ringo. Wow. It was a pretty, uh, a Joe, I think. Uh, it was pretty heavy hitters up there. <sighs> That's great. And it was fantastic. Yeah, I saw Paul Simon there on his last tour. He played there one night. Fonda? Wait a minute. Wow. I, might, I might be getting something. Or John Ford Anson, maybe. He played, is the music box in the Fonda the same thing? I think it is. Yes. Then I saw him there. He played. Yeah. Uh, he played two nights at the Pantages, but he did a warm up show at the Fonda, and that was oh. amazing. Like uh, so close. Oh wow! Sounds great. Um, but uh, and and uh, uh, it was it was an amazing show. I saw the set list. It's ridiculous. I got to speak to Paul recently, and it was fan. It's like no, I meant the, I meant the ELO show. Oh, the ELO show was incredible. It was uh, it was the. You know, no disrespect to the musicians who were part of ELO, but Jeff, uh, you know, he did the show in England famously like a year and a half. Hyde Park. Hyde Park, maybe a year and a half ago or whatever. And he was so turned on. He goes, this is the first time I felt we sounded great. And then he played the Grammys. Mm-hmm. We we had him over to yep. the Grammys. Which you were you at that rehearsal? I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, I did was not. Oh. I, I think I think he rehearsed late. I think I might have left because I was there all day long. I think I might. You have couldn't left. be bothered to wait another half <laughs> no, hour for I, Jeff Linder. Yeah. But I think what happened was, I think Pharrell started to rehearse, and that looked like that was going to be a long rehearsal. Uh, we apologize if Pharrell <laughs> took you. Hey Kyle, are you liking or hating these songs? No, I like this. It's pleasant. Yeah. Um. Cool. You're not talking at all. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm like exhausted from from last night. How late? Li- how late did you stay there last night? What did you night? win a tennis tournament? Till like three. You stayed there. Oh, you stayed, You stayed like at two thirty. Yeah, just hanging out. We were like cleaning up and stuff. Yeah. All right. Did you get? Did, did anyone pay you any money? Nope. I'll give you money. Is it too late for okay. people to con- contribute? Is if. If people want to get it on the smile train. No, you can still go to, um, I think, podcast.com and, and Make donate. Make a donation? Yeah, and we'll get, uh, we'll get the, um, our event, we'll get the credit for that. I will sure. do that when I get back as your birthday gift. Oh, excellent. I will make a donation because excellent. I don't have to buy you anything. Well, I just turned, <laughs> I just turned 52, so I guess $52,000 would be a good donation. Or some derivation of that amount. <laughs> or $52. Yeah. Um, 
so no, you. Uh, so we we've been jumping around, but you just interviewed Paul Simon because. Oh yeah, I don't. Not, I don't talk about that. I shouldn't oh. talk about it. But yeah, it's a great. There's a great album coming. I think the best album. It, 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 based on what I know, I believe mm-hmm. it's already my the favorite. It could be the best album of this year is coming from Paul Simon. It's I'm, unbelievable record. I like him. He, it's so inspiring to speak with the uh, speak with a guy like that. I've I've spoken with him before, but listen, I was transcribing yesterday this mm-hmm. interview, and I'm like, okay, this is why the guy is along with Bob Dylan, the greatest lyricist of all time. And to my mind, those are the two best ever. And it's because even in conversation, I'm going like, Oh my God, that's such a brilliant way to put that. Like, and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was inspiring. Let me ask you a question. You might not be able to answer it. And you don't have to Jewish too. Yes. I want to know what is your interview like that? What's your opening question? You don't have to tell his answer. Can you tell us what your opening question is for something like that? Yeah, no, what I said was, cause I, as I, I'd heard the record the day before Mm -hmm. and, uh, I said something like, uh, I want to thank you. Oh, actually, you know what's interesting? And it was something that sometimes you go for the question you know is going to please them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you go for the provocative question that could offend, but if not, you're going to, it's going to be a hell of a good mm-hmm. conversation. Right. And what I said was, you are at the point where your past is a detriment to anyone hearing you. Because I'd had an experience where I'd been with him a few months earlier with Brad Pace and Carrie Underwood. They did this show in New York. And I was like, I said, when you have Bridge Over Troubled Water and I Am a Rock and, you know, these songs, it's like Sound of anything silence. you put out is like immediately not as fucking good as the stuff you've done. And that's artists like him. I said, and I got to tell you that this record is so, the textures of it and the style of it is so different that it allowed, I said, this new record allowed me to remember how great you are in a way that your last few records, as great as they were, didn't. Because it was almost like they're comfortable and in the context of like, oh, that sounds like a... It makes people go in your ear. You go, oh, that sounds like a great Paul Simon record. But unless it has something different, just as we're all getting older and we've all heard too much Mm -hmm. and we're all... The idea of an album is collapsing under our feet. All of it, you have to hear something. And I said, it reminded me of... My first week at Rolling Stone was the week that Graceland came in. And I remember, I'll say it to my own credit, a bunch of people were like, uh, he's because his last record, Hearts and Bone, which Bones, which I love. I love Hearts and yeah, Bones too. I love it. But he, that had not been well received. No. So no one really cared. And I was like, this is the best record I've ever heard. And this new record has that same kind of thrill to me of excitement. It's really oh, interesting cool. and different and great. Yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna pile on stories that have been told before, I I've told this one a million times. Uh I went back to college and I had Graceland with me and everyone on my floor at the dorm was like, Paul Simon. I'm like, this is an amazing record. <sighs> All right. And then like a month later, I was like, can I borrow that record and tape it and right. oh, buy no. it? And it was ridiculous. And by the way, Hearts and Bones for people who want to rediscover a great record is a great record. Yes. It has the interesting flaw of, I think it's brilliant except the first song which I'm, if I remember this whole correctly, because I've discussed it with Allergies Paul. is the first Allergies, yeah. right. Which is the worst song on their record. And it's a song about, I think it's about having writer's block. So it's like, he put it on because it's the song that broke his writer's block, mm-hmm. but he should have left it off because every other song on that record That's is the song brilliant. with the great Al Di Miola guitar solo though, I think, isn't it? Oh my it? God. I, I grew up 
next to Aldemiola. The great Aldemiola would play in Teaneck next to where I grew up in Tenafly, and it was like he was our local guitar hero. I yeah. can't believe you're an Aldemiola fan. I'm not, but I know. But you I, stayed at but, the Splendido Hotel. But I know that I know that album because I love it, and I know that solo, and yeah, and I know that it's one of those things. Like I know, like when I picked up that album and I read Aldemiola, I go, "Oh, that guy's a great guitarist." I don't know. I've never heard him, but oh, he's I know in the jazz sort of. Yeah, crossover rock world. He's very famous. I remember uh, having this discussion years ago with with uh, Paul Simon, and I said, uh, "God, I love Hearts and Bones." He goes, "Yeah, people are really rediscovering that record and loving it." He goes, "And the Cape Man too." And I went, "No, not so much." The Cape Man, I don't like. I don't like so much. I saw it too, and I, no, I said, "No, yeah. no, Hearts and Bones." Yeah, go back and rediscover Cape, Cape Man. Man is the one I own it. It's over there, but I can't. Well, it's also yeah. like Paul and Sting both did the thing of like doing a show and then investing, I believe, in their own shows. And that's that's not like a that's yeah. not a good idea. I'm not investing in this show at all. Well, invest in this show and tell us what your next song is. My next song is from Zoom, which is not one of the better known albums. It was sort of a, uh, a sort of his return to ELO and it uh, didn't, a lot of people don't know it. And there is a song on there called Melting in the Sun that I love. I, it's, I probably listen to it once a week at least, and I would like to share it with Kyle, if not you. There's no way out and there's no way back Sailing forever out along your path Some troubles dare to lose your sleep I started thinking that I'm into of course. Like his songs, yeah. the hooks have hooks. You know, it's like you can't believe you haven't heard the chorus by the time you get to the chorus because there's so much to, to sort of wrap yourself yeah. around yeah when zoom came out i bought it and i just i didn't get into it so then it just i just never listened to it much and then when the new album came out alone in the universe i loved Which it I love, yeah and then i'm like well maybe i gotta go back and listen to zoom again and then when i listened to zoom i was like well how did i miss this the first time because this is pretty great too yeah no i you know being around uh him and petty a fair amount when they were working together a lot uh they, I think they helped each other. Like, uh, and like Tom had such respect for, like, in also Randy Newman, who I talked with, you know, he had Jeff produce a track, which is one of my favorite things ever. And it's like these guys who really, and the Beatles, you know, who yeah. asked them to produce like their sort of comeback, the anthology stuff. The anthology yeah. stuff. It's like Jeff, he's at a very high level of just studio genius. And Brian Wilson has that, but Brian is kind of like, almost a savant of it where Jeff is like a normal guy who just has this ability to make music at a very high level. What is the, uh, the, the, uh, Randy new that's from the land of dreams album. Yeah. Is it, 
did he produce Falling in Love or something special? I think he did Falling in Love, which is one of my favorite Randy Newman yeah, songs. Yeah, I like that I one too. I think he might have done Four Eyes too. No, I don't, maybe not. But Falling in Love is my favorite song on that. Uh, Life of Dreams by Randy Newman is a great album that a lot of people- Land of Dreams. Land of Dreams, I'm sorry. Uh, that's a great record. Um, I love Randy Newman. Uh, my next song is from- uh, Oh, but I'm sorry. But Randy Newman had a song called- uh, story of a rock and roll band about loving ELO. Oh, uh, cool. Oh, it's in the uh, Born, uh, what's it called? Born Guilty. It's a, there's a famous cover. Uh, Kyle, if you could look it up, Born Something by Randy Newman had a record with himself in Kiss Makeup. Uh, you should know this as a Kiss fan. Yes, Born to Lose, not Born to Lose, no. Born to... Uh, born Something. Uh, he has dollar signs on dollar his face. Signs on his head. Born Again? That's what's called, Born Again. Is that what's called born by Randy again. Newman? Are you yeah. sure? Yep. yep, that's okay. it. And the song Story of a Rock and Roll Band, it goes, it's about loving ELO. You've got we should put it in this episode. Uh Randy Newman's Story of a Rock and Roll Band. That should maybe actually, we should end. Can we end on that? Yeah, we'll find it. It's, that, a, it's literally a song. And the question was how much was Randy's tongue in cheek, but I think not at all completely. The um Gene Simmons actually wishes that he had that makeup with the dollar signs. That would be perfect for Gene. <laughs> Absolutely. This is one of my favorite uh, ELO records also. It's the one that came out before a New World record. This is from Face the Music. And it's probably a song a lot of people might not know. This is Down Home Train. Or, I'm sorry, Down Home Town. Jeff Lynn also, uh, he loves the word blue. He's got six songs that oh, have the word I blue got one. in it. I wonder if I should call it so you don't steal it. Like I, you stole I don't think, one. I didn't put, I didn't pick this one because. Um, you didn't pick Boy Blue? Oh, no, I didn't pick Mr. Blue Sky. Oh, oh, good. Okay, so those are two of my favorites. Good. So I will now go for one that I'm afraid you'll steal. So I'll leave one. Uh, I'm I, gonna, did, I did pick Boy Blue. You did? Yeah, I have that on my list. Okay, We'll see who gets it first. Uh, I'm going to go for a hit and one that I, when I, when I picked my favorites with Corolla, mm -hmm. he mocked this one. He hates this one. And I don't understand it because I think this is one of the coolest tracks in the whole body of work, Showdown. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have Showdown on my list. It's kind of badass. Yeah, from On the me. Third Day. I got to remove it now. A little badass disco. Yeah, this is, uh, this is on my list. Corolla's wrong. Show. 
just pulled now you went over to my CD shelf and you pulled out a Mick record Jagger, I love Mick Jagger Wandering Spirit. It's like I'm one of the only you're you're one of the only people who would have the Jagger solo records that I like. Like this is a great record. I was in the studio for this with Rick Rubin and him. This is a gem, and they picked the wrong, like you know, this picked the wrong singles. When I was, uh, I, I, I met, I saw Rick Rubin. We saw, um, we saw Kyle was with me. We saw Don Rickles. You were, you were, were you there? You yeah, weren't there. The I was there, but it wasn't Don Rickles. It was um, Jerry Lewis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. We saw Jerry Lewis at the Saban. You went to the Saban to see Jerry Lewis's live act? Yes, because we thought oh my I, I had read that it was It was like we, a few months after he like had like gone attacked off. women? Yeah. yeah, yes, like, yeah, yeah and we're like, so we just thought. So it's like six of us okay. went. Was he the greatest thing you ever saw or the worst thing you ever saw? Here's the thing. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the worst and it wasn't the, it, it it was just it was a nice show. It was like it was right in the middle. It wasn't uh we didn't get the train wreck we had hoped for, right? And it wasn't spectacular either. So we right. just were like, "Oh, that was fine." Right, and <laughs> a Rick, little sad. But Rick Rubin was out front, and I'm right. like, "That's Rick Rubin." I'm getting my picture taken with Rick Rubin, and so in my head, I start going through, you know, what albums am I going to mention to him really quick in passing so that he knows I'm a real fan and I know his work. Right. So I was like, "Rick, can I get a picture? I love, I love Wandering Spirit. I love Wildflowers, and I love your work on Twelve Songs." With Neil Diamond, he's like, "Oh, thank you very much," and then took a picture, and he looks uh, really awkward and weird in it. And I have a big smiley face. Just in yeah. in in trying to nurture the belief that you must have that I'm like the rock and roll Zelig. I remember interviewing Rick at his house and being there when there was a FedEx had just come in, and he goes, "Do you want to look at this with me?" And it was the video for Hurt by Johnny Cash. Wow, which to me is the highest art form of video. Mm-hmm. It's the best video ever made. Yeah, it's great of anything, and yeah, it's. I think there's footage Nine Inch from Nails like, guy over here. Oh well, yeah, it's better than Trent Reznor just said that. Yeah, too. I, I got to better. work with Trent this last year. I don't want to talk about it. Get, I got in trouble, but Trent, I will say because you're a fan, I know this from the show. The coolest, smartest guy yeah. in rock, Bowie, who he was also friends with, yeah. is he reminds me of Bowie. I've never dealt with anyone smarter in rock, and and. A great guy, like helped me out of a some craziness. He's great. He's LA based. Uh, yes, Kyle, work on getting him on the show. We can have him on the show. Okay, try to get him. Okay, you work on that. Total, <laughs> total genius, that guy. Um, this uh, oh, and your wife. I now realize what you were saying. Your wife looks like Olivia Harrison when she was younger, a little bit, don't you think? I, uh, my wife to me looks like uh, the actress Annabella Shiora. Yes. Yeah, or 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 she's a, a I just, Susanna Hoffs I, I, I type. I just think way too good for you. Yeah, that's what I know. People think. That's what life. everyone says. Exactly. Now this this CD you have there, the Wandering Spirit. Love it. When I was doing stand up comedy, when you would do uh, on the road, standing up comedy, standing up comedy, as Jimmy Pardo would say, <laughs> when you would uh, when you would do morning radio shows, after you did the show, they would go, "Hey, you want to go to the prize closet and and grab some CDs?" Yeah. So I went to the prize closet and Wandering Spirits there, and it was two weeks. Before it was even going to be released. And I said, this is a new Mick Jagger album. They go, yeah. I go, that doesn't come out for two weeks. They go, take it. <laughs> and I was just like, that. you know, now, you know, we get promos and we get downloads and people send us stuff. And you heard the new Paul Simon album already and all kinds of stuff like that. But back then when this came out, that didn't happen. No, that's super cool. Like I felt like I had like uh, contraband in my car or hero- I was smuggling heroin. And that album, I talk about that album all the time that is a fantastic album 
before or after uh, this record? No, way before this record. Uh, you talk about getting records early. Mm. When I first started at Rolling Stone, like I got an advance of a John Cougar Mellencamp, maybe when he was still in the Cougar Mellencamp yeah. era. One of the first things I was given, and I left it in a cab. And I thought, oh my God, God. this record's going to get out. I think it was Big Daddy or something uh -huh. like that or something. And it's like, and then it, it turned out it would have been good for him if I got now because the record didn't do as well. No. Uh, oh, but speaking of... Kenny Arnoff will have already been on or will I hope about so. to be on. He's or somewhere. Whatever. He's somewhere in the lineup. You got to ask him mm -hmm. about the night he saved me from potentially being Mrs. Jim Steinman. Uh, but we'll, we'll see if he remembers that. So you pulled that off the... Off the um, could, you, could you read it or did you just know the spine was blue? I saw the spine blue. so well. I know the spine so well. I could tell. I love Goddess in the Doorway. I'm yeah. the one. I'm going to go I grab do too. that too. I might take these. That didn't sell. The Goddess didn't sell anything. It's such a good album. That's a Japanese version that has a, an extra track on it. Because I'm a weirdo. Crap. <laughs> this was around the time of this record. This is a, one of the greatest moments of my life because mm -hmm. of this record. He asked me for some reason. I'd written something in Rolling Stone to write the bio for this record or something like that. And then I'm at home on a Thursday night and I get a message, call Mick Jagger. And I don't get that message I got a lot. the same message the other day. <laughs> he goes, David Love. David Love. And I'm no joke. I'm totally straight, despite you you might have picked up on the heat that's in this room sexually. Totally straight. And I literally, but when he said David Love, I was like, holy shit, just call me David Love. And uh, he goes, could we have some liner notes by Friday? And I was like, yeah, sure. You can have whatever you want. And I realized it's Thursday. And that meant like tomorrow I have to, I have to deliver notes for... 40 licks the 40 licks collection and i did i just like stayed up all night listening to uh you know uh you know my, the stones it was I, there's there's a i love the four new tracks that are on 40 licks we're all over the place saving up oh yeah they're great yeah let's get i'm sorry let's get back that back, um back, back 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 that um the keith song on 40 licks losing my touch great so phenomenal great song all right Vision, it, and visions of paradise on this mick jagger record yeah. no one likes it i think rob thomas wrote it yeah. uh and it's one of my favorite mick vocals kenny ever. aronoff plays on that album the great kenny aronoff grace carrington kenny aronoff he said david during the uh, meatloaf two bad out of hell two sessions goes david you better get out of here <laughs> i was young and pretty the, uh, I was, yeah, I was never pretty. Kenny plays uh, that. That's one of the songs I'll be playing when Kenny's here. Is uh, "Dancing in the Starlight." He plays drums on that song. Kenny plays on everything. Kenny's a great guy. Plays on everything. Uh, whose turn is it? Who just played the last song, Kyle? I think I played "Showdown." Yes, is that right? All right, let's go to "Out of the Blue." This is a big hit. This is "Turn to Stone."
you're 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 taking these CDs with you. No, 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 no. I'm just looking uh, at them. I just have to look at them because I I don't have my. If you know me, you don't know me this well. I got a lot of CDs. Yeah, they're not alphabetized. I can't find anything. I don't even try anymore. That would drive now. me. Yeah, bonkers. Well, talk to my wife sometime. But I was there during this. Uh, the recorded Big World by Joe Big Jackson. Big World by I Joe Jackson. Out. This was recorded in a theater in New York. And if Joe Jackson had the great idea of recording it live, but then telling people not to make any noise. So you, he recorded it and you weren't supposed to clap. And during That's like rough. songs, someone would clap and you go, well, you fucked it up. Like you get, you get yelled at for liking a song. So I just have many associations. He also was also the... Uh, He's the only person who ever had me removed from a concert. I was in the front row at Universal Amphitheater when I moved out here in 91 or whatever. Uh, and he goes, uh, could someone take the David Wilde, the critic, out of the front row? Wow. I was like, I actually had to get up and move. Were you there as a fan or were you there to cover the show? I think I was there as a fan. And no, we, and he liked me uh, in the sense that uh, I had done an interview with him. I'm a, I, again, my era of music is I loved, heard the raspberries, mm -hmm. I heard ELO, but then when Joe Jackson, Elvis Costello hit, that was my moment. Yeah. So he's one of my heroes, Graham Parker, Joe, Elvis Costello. But I interviewed him on his, the first time I met him at Rolling Stone was when he had Willpower, the sort of classical record. Yeah. And he was in a douchey stage of his career <laughs> and he was a jerk to me. And after about five, 10 minutes of the interview, I said, you know what, I'm going to leave. And he goes, why? I go, because I'm a huge fan of yours and you're just being an asshole. <laughs> and I, he goes, and this is not a record that anyone's going to buy, right. which I was right. So I'm just going to go. And he goes, I have to apologize to you. He goes, I deal with so many assholes. I assumed you were an asshole. But by you telling me this, I realize you're not an asshole. And I thought we had bonded. Then he had me come down and interview him for something. Mm -hmm. uh, Blaze of Glory, I don't even know, Stranger Than, whatever. And then he had me thrown out of uh, a show for just being there. I'm going to go the other way. I think you were both right. We're both douchebags? <laughs> Possibly. The new, uh, you heard his new album, right? Fast Forward? Yes. It's, I love it. Hold on. I'm looking at CDs. I can't talk to you anymore. You know, keep an eye on him, Kyle, because I'm afraid David might be the guy that when he puts these away, he'll just put them anywhere. <laughs> you know, they'll be all willy-nilly. It's one of my favorite records of all time. Why don't I come to your house someday and we will arrange your CDs? No. <laughs> By the way, I'm not giving, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm at the stage of, unlike, my wife doesn't want, there's no more room for any yeah. stuff. And I, I'm now streaming. I never did. I've, it's yeah. like a few months ago and like, I'm losing the, it's why I'm getting like erotically turned on by all yeah, the I love here. the I love I seeing love them CDs, grabbing and, them. But I don't, they're not as much a fixture in my life anymore. My yeah. wife, I had a CD cabinet in my living room, like a built-in, mm -hmm. the guy who bought, built our house was in like the v, uh, VHS business and he had huge, like in the living room, big, big just places for CDs or uh, VHSs and she had them removed like a month ago. So now there's like no CDs so where, in my where, life. Where, where, where are your CDs? They're not really available. They're in the garage. They're just not really boxes? available to me. They're just all over. It's a, it's a sad thing. Well, if you're ever so gonna, I'm just going to live here. Look, wait, just give me a cop. If you ever think you're giving those away, you call me and let me peruse those first. I sell them. I'm not that emotional with them. I, Where do you take you take that freak beat? I can't. No, no, I don't. I love freak beat, but support freak beat. Yeah. But no, let's not talk about this. <laughs> I would never sell a record. No, you just pulled Daryl Hall's sacred songs off. One of my favorite records. Love it. That's Robert Fripp, right? The great Robert Fripp. He produced that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good album. Someday we should just do 
another record here where you guys just walk around and you just grab a CD off and, and I just tell, throw it I in name and play. Drop, I name drop. You tell a story and we just play a tune off of it. We call that Pat's Record Collection. Sure. Piece of cake. Good idea. Thanks. Now, but before we do that, you get uh, you can look for some contact information for Trent Reznor. Yeah. Oh, okay. cool. Would you want John Oates to come in and hang out, do a show with him for an I hour? I try to get. I'm very, very. Um, hold on, my daughter Rita wants to know. It. This is how this is how it works in the 2016. She's like, "Are you upstairs?" It's like an ADD uh, episode. We can't we can't keep our focus. Call it call it ELO ADD. Uh, I'm very friendly with uh, <laughs> Holland Oates' management. Um, Stop name dropping, Jonathan Jesus Wolfson. Christ, man. Yeah, no, very nice. He's a great guy. Yeah, he likes me more than you. Uh, he probably does. No, but he uh, but yeah, I tried to get uh, John Oates on when he was um, the last time he came through, but he just didn't have time. But um, yeah, they're yeah. He'll so have yeah. time for us. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I would just—I was just going to play the songs that he sings lead on because I love those songs. And oh my god, I'm just a kid. Don't make me feel like a man. <laughs> I love John Oates. My favorite melody for a memory from a, uh, uh, along the red ledge is one of my favorite mm. songs of all time. That's the. Uh, How does it feel to be back? Is one of my. <sighs> it's one of the catchiest songs of all time. That's my favorite. Never Hall Oates album, Voices. I love it too. All right, whose turn is it? Um, it is. I, I just played just Turn play to Stone. So, yeah. So, okay, yeah, you play Turn to Stone. Uh, I'm going to go for a song that is sort of my life story told in song, The Diary of Horace Wimp from Discovery. Wow. I love this song and I relate to it. Late again today He'd be in trouble Though he'd say he was sorry He'd have to hurry out To the bus Horace was so sad He'd never had a girl Like he could care for and if it was late once more, he'd be out. Uh-oh. Don't be afraid. Just knock on the door. Well, he just stood there mumbling and fumbling. Then a voice from above said, Horace Wimp, this is your life. Go out and find yourself a wife. You think, you think there's a slight Beatles influence? Just a yeah. slight one. That's, that's, this is Do you like that, Kyle? Because see, I think that's kind of adventurous and like his use of the production where he's like the distortion, like almost that computer mm -hmm. sound yeah. that sort of didn't exist when he recorded this. Yeah, like that sort of digital, yeah. there's like a digital thing that a lot of, I like you are much more, I know from listening and loving your show and from looking at the records you have here, you like, like the 80s is starting, by the time you hear this, the 80s is starting on yeah. CNN. When they told me about it, I was like, fuck the 80s. I am not an 80s guy. <laughs> That's why when I say I love Jeff Lynne, yeah. it's like he's at a time when I didn't love music. I don't love the prevailing like 80s thing, but there's certain things he did with synthesizers and that I feel a human touch. And it's like mm. Prince is the same way. Uh, I have to defend Prince constantly because like Adam Crowell thinks he's the worst. He hates- That's crazy. He's a know, musical genius. Well, I like- but like I think when plays every instrument, like little some red, of those albums. yeah. But like little red Corvette, like there's a place when synthesizer sounds human mm -hmm. that I love. Where I know you like more, but I think Jeff Lynne, Prince are two of the only guys who have ever 
brought soul to the machine yeah. technologically. Do you like uh do you like the uh the the synthesizer that he plays on Stand Back? Stand I Back love sound? it. Yeah. yeah, no, it's completely it's great. great. Brilliant. Uh flip my next two, Kyle, because I'm gonna play um I'm gonna play an eighties ELO song from and I love this album. It's the album that doesn't have a great album cover. It doesn't have their traditional logo. It's called Balance of Power. Oh no, please don't steal. And I love Heaven Only Knows. Good. <laughs> but I love this entire album. It's really great. One of my, one of my favorites. Yeah. This is so great. I, yeah. Now you're going to listen to this album. Oh, no. I listen to this album all the time. Okay. I hadn't heard this track in a while. It's hard because I, I do like that album cover, but I agree with you because they do have a unique logo. Yeah, they have a great logo. And um if yeah, they, when when a, when a band has a great logo and then they like drop it for an album or something, I'm kind of like, guys, that's you just really If they had the merchandising uh mind of Gene Simmons, they would have totally made a Simon game that looked like the yellow. Yeah, could you ima- could you imagine if Kiss didn't use that logo on an album? <laughs> it would be ridiculous. Or Cheap Trick. I and think they don't I use think it. it was because wasn't that the moment when he There's basically an album for yep. each of them that don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know? that yeah. that's the moment when he sort of ELO just became officially basically him and Richard Tandy and yeah. like uh, maybe is, Bev Bevan. Is Richard Tandy playing when you did when you saw him? Was he playing with him? Richard Tandy, yes. Richard Tandy is the only person who sort of has the continuity and you know uh, he's yeah. like the Mike Campbell. He's always with Tom, no matter what, whether it's solo or Mud Crutch or whatever it is. Yes, but I will say I think unlike Mike Campbell, who is an essential ingredient. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, right. He, co-writes. He was the only other member of the heartbreakers invited to the Christmas party that we spoke about earlier. <laughs> it was only like, there was definitely like, you know, the, he has a special close relationship. Yeah. I mean, and I believe it or not, that was like one of the moments where I went, how am I at the Christmas party by Petty and Mike Campbell and not did, the other heartbreakers? Did you think they might murder you? <laughs> yes. I, that would I, be a fun movie where a, a critic gets invited to a, uh, to a rock and roll Christmas party only because oh, they want to kill him. That's you should work on that. That's a good idea. And Trent Reznor could do a brilliant score for that. Yes, he could. Uh, so you, I'm sorry, we're getting derailed again. So should I pick a track? Yeah. Is it my turn? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my god, I think I picked a track twice on here. This is a mess of a list. You know what? I maybe I'm not gonna go for. Maybe I'll keep it pure and not do any of the solo songs for now. Okay. See if we can get through it, and I'll go to my. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to go to another ELO song. I could go Calling America I Have, which is also, uh, which I love. And I think lyrically also is one of those songs where it's like his sensitive soul, which he sort of lets out. Because I believe that was about like a marriage or going wrong and sort of communication. Let's do that one now. Let's do uh, Calling America, which was kind of a little hit. To back from the same album. He's getting to the point also on that record. Yes. Which I was, that's also on my list. Yep. And 
and not a record that any normal people love, but we do. It's Jimmy Pardo's favorite uh, really? Yellow album also. Might be the only one he, he likes. Let's um, for my next one, Kyle. Flip the next two again because I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to the to the new record, which is uh, billed as Jeff Lynne's ELL. A great everyone should check this record. It's out. It's a really great album, yeah. and this it's called Alone in the Universe. And I'm gonna play a song I, I really like called Dirty to the Bone. Cool choice. I'm going to play a song, follow up on you uh, on that with the title track of the album. And when I, uh, I think I might've been one of the first people to hear this because I was in the studio in his little home studio and he, you know, played me the whole record. And this is at the end of the official record. I, I remember saying to him, I said, there you've sort of, it's like a mathematical equation. A song can't get any more lonely. He goes, yeah, because a lot of songs about being alone in the world, but now alone in the universe like, there's no it's like you know going to 11 like yeah. how much more lonely can you get than that he's, none he's, more he's done it so let's hear alone in the universe Once again, uh, he's out of his seat and he went to the CD rack and he's pulled out Holland Oates, um, Marigold Sky. And this one's very, I, this one I might have to borrow overnight because 
I, there's a song on this record, not one of my favorite mm-hmm. albums, yeah. but there was one song on it I love. And when I went, I found it in my collection in the last six months mm-hmm. and ripped it open to put it in my computer, you know, sort of. And uh, the CD wasn't in there. The CD was not in there. Oh, and the chances the of me finding it. And I love The Sky is Falling yeah. on this album. Love it. It's funny. There, I mean, everyone calls them Hall and Oates, but the albums are always, it says Daryl Hall and John Oates. It's yeah, not, it's and, never says Hall and Oates. No, and they don't like that. You know, it's sort of Eagles, the Eagles. It's yeah. one of those things that you can always piss them off. I can't, it's weird. You can't, once, like, I, I work with LL Cool J all the time, and I can't, he always call me Todd. I'm going, LL, LL. Because, like, I loved him first before you know him. And that's, mm-hmm. what's weird is that, to me, I still have the childlike. Wait, wait, so he tells you to call him what? Todd, which is what his friends call him. And what do you call him? LL? I call him LL. Okay. I'll call him Todd sometimes, yeah. but truthfully, I never feel comfortable doing it. I like, I call Ringo, ask his friends to call him Richie. Mm-hmm. I cannot, I, I call him Ringo. weird, yeah. It's like, no, I mean, and that's like, it's, it, it, it makes you seem uncool in his world to call him Ringo, but I can't not, because he is, I will never get over the fact that. So, so Joe and, and uh, Steve Lugather, they all call him Richie. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Everyone, yeah, most everyone calls him Richie. That's pretty neat. I didn't even, that was, yeah. Richie. And he calls me Juo. <laughs> you know that he, he did, he, I, rock stars tend to come out with me with whatever Jewish thing they have because mm-hmm. I seem to project, despite my Nordic good looks, a certain Jewishness. And, uh, and they're when, fine with that. They don't think they're offending you. No. Uh, but when Ringo, Ringo always says that, like, uh, when he was starting out, the Jewish forward, I think it was in London, used to harass him, be outside his house saying, admit you're a Jew, come out as a Jew, admit you're a Jew. And he was like, I wasn't a Jew. It was me nose. My nose is Jewish, not me. <laughs> well, then your nose has to come out. Yes, exactly. Uh, let's go to 1974. I'm going to steal it. It's from El Dorado. This is Boy Blue. Or the remix, Boy Jew, which has a little Sephardic <laughs> thing. So you had uh, you had tweeted that we were recording this episode today, and then uh, Murray Valariano uh, tweeted at me today and said, "That's not the drug addict." No, that's Mike Siegel's the yeah, drug addict. No, I know. Uh, Murray Valariano he texted me and said, that "The nicest group of people, by the way, you have not you, but the people <laughs> around you are the nicest group of people, don't you think?" Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. Now, is let's talk the chicks of yeah. Rock Solid, which, by the way, it would be the, the best ch- Playboy episode. Solid. The women of the Rock Solid. Those uh, are strong. Pictorial. Those are strong, independent women. That doesn't mean they wouldn't be strong pictorial. Now, it's too late. Now, Playboy got out of that business, but yeah. I would like to get into that business. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm suggesting played coitus. You. Played you. I'm not suggesting coitus. Um, no, no. So what do, you want to, what do you want to know about them? No, I, I just want to think about them. <laughs> what, did, uh, what did Murray... Oh, oh! He he texted me and said that when he saw that we were doing an ELO episode, now him and his son Frank have been dancing around the kitchen all day listening to ELO. 
And then he just put like dot, dot, dot. So good. Yeah, it's really weird with, you know, I know you do episodes with it and it's part of your life. But like when you sometimes, I'm not even aware of how much I've sort of projected onto my kids by exposing them to so much yeah. music. Like the most recent example was when Bowie died. Uh, we did the Bowie episode. I'll just add this. Yeah. I, and to the 18 stories I added on mm-hmm. then, uh, I was driving to pick up my son that night from LAX and a late night sort of arrival. And I got this, you know, call saying CBS wants you to come in to do talk about Bowie who died. And I didn't know he died. You know, it was like, it was all happy. I was driving in a car and it was coming over the phone and I, and I knew him enough that it was like a shock. I didn't, I couldn't even process it. I didn't cry until like a day and a half later when I listened to the record after our trip in San Francisco. But the weird thing is my son, who has heard a lot of my Bowie stories and heard a lot of music, came off the plane having just put his phone on oh. crying, like, you know, just tears. Like, and I said, boy, I raised him right that he would give a shit about yeah, really. Bowie. That's, uh, that's pretty neat. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't cry about it, but I felt bad, you know. It was just weird. It was out of nowhere. Yeah, I generally, I, I, I don't cry a lot about music uh Deaths, but these his eventually hit me really hard because he was because he disappeared in my he was like one of these guys again like Jeff Lynn I'm not suggesting uh, as much as I name drop there's people who I kind of think are friends but he was like just someone I got to speak to because yeah. they liked or liked me more than they liked hated me less than other journalists or whatever there's some of that well again what was weird about that one was that album came out the weekend we were at Sketchfest, and i talked to a bunch of people and we were like oh man do i hope he tours this summer because like we, know, we didn't know a thing we're like oh that would be great no and it's uh i did know enough instinctively to respect his privacy mm-hmm. but like i'm so glad he just lived out that sort of artistic cycle to the end he just sort of yeah he, his life was his art and he got rid of all the crap and I just happened to be part of the crap that he got rid of. <laughs> You're next. What's up? Uh, boy, uh, I guess I will steal or uh, Mr. Blue Sky uh, is, I remember when we, uh, Ken Ehrlich, the executive producer of the Grammy said, uh, you know, we're going to get, uh, I think we had talked about Jeff Lynn a lot. Yeah. And like, let's do it. And he came up with the idea of wanting Ed Sheeran, who's, you know, the new great yeah. British singer songwriter, a part of it. And I just said, just give me, give me Mr. Blue Sky. I go like, uh, and he, and I think Jeff Lynn picked Evil Woman, which is not one of my favorites, mm-hmm. although it's great. Uh, but I just, just give me Mr. Blue Sky. It's like a drug. I just need it. I think it's one of the most perfect tracks ever. It's in, it's one of those things that's Beatles inspired, but it's at least as good as a lot of Beatles songs, which is the highest praise you could probably give it. Do you and Ken have any input into what the artists play? Like when you bring oh, like Ken, a- Ken has a lot. Ken, yeah, and I. Um, you know, Ken allows me to, thankfully, very nicely to suggest things. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that came from like, okay, here's how many minutes you have. We want Mr. Blue Sky. What else do you want to do? And okay. he came back with Evil Woman. Uh, and then that was, then worked in it. But he sure. gave you no pushback about Mr. Blue Sky. I don't think so. I think he thought it was the right choice too. Okay, I mean, cool. it had been, you know, one of the cool things since we're talking, I forgot the episode was about Jeff Lynn, is mm-hmm. that Jeff Lynn wasn't isn't always been he's incredibly hip to me i mean his taste and his but he's not always been viewed that way yeah. as the hippest character but movies and kyle you know i think is a big movie fan and his generation as opposed to our generation that sort of yeah. like grew up in the height of elo 
it's been rediscovered because of directors using moments. The greatest use of Mr. Blue Sky, I think, ever was in a brilliant movie with uh, Will Ferrell and Latifah, Stranger Than Fiction, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah I think so. It's one of my, it's a brilliant movie. It's a great movie. And the use of the Jeff Lynn, but there's a bunch of Boogie Nights and uh, there's the, the recent film by the same director, uh, not the same director, uh, uh, what's his name? There've been a bunch D- of David O. Russell in uh, used stuff in uh, American Hustle, right? In American Hustle, and there was actually a new song in American yes, Hustle. Yes, there is. Uh, yeah, I think film has been a big way for people to rediscover. So let's go for Mr. Blue Sky. It's so cinematic. It's like it is a movie. That's the thing about how great he is. Say the title of the of the song that he the one song he used in American Hustle. It's um it's one zero five three eight overture. But how do you do? You, is it ten thousand five? What how do you, what's the correct? I never say it. I would never say it out loud. <laughs> oh, you know it. I have a can't. certain amount of decorum. What is the uh, Jeff Lynne also? I'm still did, thinking about the women of rock solid uh, <laughs> tutorial. No, I. Uh, they're such cool chicks, and I have to say, I didn't. I thought I was more the. Betty only and mm-hmm. and not really caring about Veronica, but now I love Veronica too. You don't <laughs> and, have to pick and, and just which one one's flavor. Which? which one's which? The blonde. Come on, you can. Well, Chrissy's not really blonde. She's. I mean, in my mind, in my sexual psycho sexual <laughs> psychosexual uh, point of view of a married man, way too long. She's blonde. <laughs> Did you see her thing uh, uh, that she put on Facebook, uh, Christy for Congress? No, I did not. Oh, you have to see it. It's really funny. She's great. No, the, I honestly really I, funny. I do think they're both so cool. Yeah, and, they're really very cool. And I then think. the guy who does drugs is pretty cool, and the guy who doesn't do drugs is probably less cool. No, they're both all cool. Um, Jeff Lind did this thing though that I don't understand when artists do. He re-recorded his. Let me explain it to you. Do you I, know why they do that? Is that to say they can sell these versions to commercials? And then the, the original, rather than sharing and buy a old record deal where they don't get much, mm-hmm. he he can re-record and license it directly to films and TV and get all the money and get all the money. And mm-hmm. in his case, that's why everybody else does it. Yeah, Jeff Lynne and I wrote the liner notes for that record, so yeah. I I know this called well. Mr. Blue Sky. Yes, called Mr. Is. Blue Sky. Where I mm-hmm. recommend you get it. It's the very best. I have it. Uh, it's fantastic, but. The reason he did it is he's the only guy who has the ears where he go, I think I can beat it. I like there's technological limits and things. He did it. I, I think his manager uh, probably wanted him to do it because they could own yeah. and own everything and and make all the money. But I believe he did it also so he could actually beat the hits. And he might be the only person who ever did. It's always interesting, but I don't know that you ever beat that you know like like if paul simon re-recorded you know sound of silence or something it just wouldn't 
I guess I slightly disagree in his case because I think the 80s is the most dated mm-hmm. time. Late 70s and definitely 80s, there's hits from the 80s that I would like to hear not with the incredibly bad drum sounds and fake synth drums. Yeah. And there's like, there's records where, like, uh, I love like, uh, Don Henley, I love Building yeah. the Perfect Beast and stuff like that. But there's mo- a lot of records from that post Peter Gabriel so era. Just the production was there's certain things that don't sound good to my ear yeah. anymore. So I, I don't I don't mind it as much. It's that, not like you're replacing it. You're just you know adding on. Yeah, that's one of the things I do like about those Mellencamp albums. Really sound great. They really sound like oh these are musicians that are playing together in a room. That's what it sounds like. I think Kenny's drumming on those. Mellencamp record sounds The great thing about being in LA, and maybe this will be a fascinating thing for you to mention Mm -hmm. to Kenny. No, it probably won't be. But like uh, my wife had some work on our house done and the designer was a very nice woman. And she said like, oh, you should talk to my husband. And her husband was Don Gaiman, who produced some of the best records. Yes. My favorite R.E.M. record and my favorite Mellencamp records. And it was like, so I was like, yeah, I'll talk to that husband. I like he produced uh, he produced a Brian Setzer album too that um Oh the knife felt just like justice yeah, the knife feels like justice can't plays on that album I cannot believe you remember that record that's a great record that's, that's a great record I know you like Setzer right I was not a Stray Cats fan at the time so just like I I'm not really a uh, a Jay Giles band fan, but I love Peter Gabriel solo, and that's kind of Peter how, Wolf solo. I'm sorry, Peter yeah. Wolf solo. Oh no, yeah. again, I'm with you 100. Peter Wolf solo, the great. But yeah, when that Brian Setzer album came out, I'm like, this doesn't sound like the Stray Cats. I really dig in this. I love that record. Uh, literally two of us that yeah. love that record. Kyle, let's go to a New World record from '76, and this is a tightrope. Wow, Kyle, I think I skipped one, which I guess, should we, are we about to wrap up, you think? I'm trying to think how many songs we have, like one we, we'll more? We'll probably maybe? go for about 15 more minutes. We haven't been recording that long. It, we've packed a lot I've of information. Just been talking a lot. Yeah, but we've packed a lot of, because I looked over at one point, I'm like, we've been recording for like two hours, but okay, it hasn't been. I'll play, I, unless I'm having some sort of horrible mind fart, which is possible. Mm-hmm. Did we not do Living Thing? No, we did not. Okay, no. Living Thing to me is... I guess one of the things... Sorry, it's password protected on here, so if, if you have it, can you play uh, it? Yeah, I have it. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I guess I don't know how that works. I apologize. No, it's okay. It rarely happens anymore. But go ahead, keep talking. Living Thing? Well, Living Thing... One thing... Jeff Lynn isn't always... Like, I, we talk about Paul Simon or Bob Dylan. He isn't always a lyricist who shocks you with, you know, subtlety. Uh, I think a lot of times the lyrics seem like the last thing he gets to, but every once in a while, especially when he has 
goes to that sensitive place, he comes up with a stunner. And this is one I love. The, the, the Just like, like I mentioned, Little Red Corvette came up earlier, mm-hmm. we're talking about Prince. I still don't know, other than I think it's dirty and cars and female body parts and things. I don't know what he's going on about, but it moves me and it sort of, it's sexy and cool. This is another one of those things where I don't 100% get what he's saying and it makes it so much better. I think it's one of my favorite Jeff Lynn songs. And this is also from New World Record, my favorite yeah. yellow album. Here we go, Lemon Thing. met jeff he is very unpretentious like utterly unpretentious comes from like birmingham like comes from not you know a fancy background Mm -hmm. and you know and just grew up in fact his uh a long wave which is a really good solo record he did and so you can buy it and still and it's got liner notes by me which means you really want to read that but he that was like a, a a love story about being in his parents house hearing the radio Mm -hmm. the long wave radio and falling in love with music and that just i know so i think it's like when he gets sensitive and i, I just think it go, it's kind of great when he i mean to me the guy he is is a guy who listened to del shannon and roy orbison and learned the tricks like yeah. as a tradesman almost like how do you make that magic that he in that song it mentions that magic i think he's like a musical magician he just knows how to whip it all up and that album you're talking about is that that's the album of standards that he recorded correct yeah in fact if uh i think it's that was my song but i'll i'll pick i guess two more songs one i will pick one from that record. okay and i to his credit i do not like standards and i do like that album oh yeah no he no. made it he made it like what do i want to say accessible for my ears <laughs> Because well, like the, I love Rod Stewart, I don't own any of those American Songbook albums. God, well, the, I hate you, oh those. No, that, those are they defile this, and I love Rod Stewart. And, and, and they those defi- were such terrible. those are smash smash. No, hits. it was branding. They were like the Trump of of musical <laughs> uh, recordings. Like five volumes of those things. They oh kept my selling Lord. one worse than the next. Like as soon like when my mom had one of those in her possession, I was like, oh no. That guy sings for the faces. I, I think I was once asked to write something for one of them, and I listened to it, and I was like, can't do it. No. Even do it. No. No. Mm-mm. No way. Uh, yes. Okay. So I'm going to go with, uh, I think this is an album that people don't really know that much. This is from 81. The album's called Time. And this would be a deep cut, I guess. This is uh, The Way Life's Meant to Be. Well, I came a long way to be here today. 
and I left you so long on this avenue. And here I stand in the strangest land, not knowing what to say or do. As I gaze around at these strangers in town, I guess the only stranger is me. And I wonder, yes, I wonder. Yes, I wonder. Oh, I wonder. Is this the way life's meant to be? Although it's only a day since I was taken away And then it just gets better and better from there, but I wanted to play that intro part. No, it's interesting. That's an album I don't go back to at all, so that was cool. I haven't heard that probably since in years and years and years, so that was cool to hear. Yeah, that, that album and then the, what's the one that has Rock and Roll is King on it? What's that one called? Secret Message. Yeah. Those are the two I don't listen to much, but they... If you if you put those two together, you can piece together an, a really real good, good album for yourself, in um, my opinion. Yeah. So uh, the Long Wave record we mentioned, my favorite. There's a, the reason you like it, by the way. It's not a standards. It's it was sort of hard to explain. It was standards from the rock era. So in other words, mm. it wasn't like too much Cole Porter that like Rod defiled. It was more like Orbison and things like that. Right. But my favorite, and he did a few of the sort of classic more you know sort of songbooky things yes but my favorite is my f- one of my favorite songs of all time and i said to him uh boy covering an everly brothers song is quite a lot to bite off because they are the two greatest voices ever yeah together and yet he did because of he's such a great producer i love his version of so sad so let's hear so sad from long wave by jeff lynn Still have good times together. He's both brothers. But now I feel them slip away. It makes me cry to see love die. So sad to watch. See, it's all like uh, I'm interested in what Kyle would think, but like music is largely a matter of your ear when you come into music, and like the original Everly Brothers is before my time, and Mm -hmm. so a lot of that stuff, even the stuff I love, sounds old to me. Like I think so, a lot of the stuff, stuff that you like that's good, as opposed to stuff you like that's horrible. Like I'm sure to your ear, it sounds just like there's just part of it. Just the experience of listening to it is like, man, that is some old crap. Yeah. So like, I love this because he took this song that I think is beautiful, mm-hmm. and just his production, I just hear the beauty of it. I don't hear any of the datedness of it. Yeah, like yeah, there's some some stuff I think sounds just old, and it's just it's like a movie. Like certain movies are just old and hard to watch because right. they're like paced wrong or. Oh, no, it's great watching yeah. comedies with your kids, and you're probably at that age now. My kids are teenagers, so it's, like, really interesting to go, like, you got to watch, like, Monty Python you'll watch, and they'll go, oh, my God, they're 100% in on it. There's no yeah. Yeah. problem. But they'll, you'll do things, like, my wife and I will go, like, you have to watch, like, I think Meatballs was one. And I thought, when they were, like, a little younger, yeah. I was like, you're going to love Meatballs. And they're like... Oh, no, this is no, yeah, no, uh, uh-uh, uh, out. This is boring. It's yes. like, and to me, Bill Murray still has that. 
I came in thinking Bill Murray is the coolest guy. Still do the coolest guy on earth. So I, well, yeah, my, my 15 year old daughter, Sarah and her friends just watched the sixth sense the other night and they, they didn't like it. They didn't like it at all. I was like, no, it's so they're like, no, we figured it out. I'm like, what? Right. It's crazy. No. And the coolest thing is when you get to my, my kids are now old enough that there's really nothing I'm protecting them mm -hmm. from or hiding from them. So we'll go see stuff together. Like my son and I both, my wife had no interest in seeing Anomalisa because I just worked on the independent spirit awards. So there were all these indie movies that I had to go see. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And he goes, I don't know. But um, you know, I will never get mom to go. Right. So we just said, no, we're going to the arc light. We're going to do it. And it's like, it was brilliant. And we sort of, you know, I, I think it's brilliant and it's yeah, different. Yeah, I like that movie. Oh, you yeah. saw it? Mm -hmm. Oh, great. Yeah, cool. It's a great movie. But it's like, what's good with your kids is they start bringing you in to stuff you yeah. might not get into as opposed to you just pushing your dated ideas on them. Yeah, well, they yeah um, they had a re-release of, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, uh, they showed Raiders of the Lost Ark on the big screen for like a week. And I took Sarah to see it. And even, I mean, it's still, it's still great, but I was like, oh, this kind of moves a little bit slower than I remember. I mean, the pacing was really like Raiders of the Lost Ark. You think, yeah, he's being pulled behind this and the ball comes down and there's this and their faces melt. But I was like, it's kind of paced a little bit slower than what we're used to now. Well, what's funny is a lot of the movies that were done right before MTV was dominant, mm -hmm. that the editing style of MTV is the thing that a lot of people I know credit with the attention span yeah. change of there's just a moment where like fast edits had to happen. Yeah. And so it's like, there's stuff that like pre MTV, you go, Oh, it was so fast paced. Not anymore. It ain't. Yeah, it go, doesn't, it just, doesn't hold up. Just go on YouTube and watch some old movie trailers from the eighties. You know, they're like three minutes long and they're just like, you're like, Oh, this makes me not want to see this movie at all. Right. Uh, Kyle, let's jump to we'll go back to the album discovery. Is our last one. You think, uh, this can be we can this can be the last one. I think it should be our last. You want to play, so you're gonna do the playout song. Well, we talked about a playout song earlier, and I yeah, can't what, remember what, what it was. was. It? Do you remember? Yeah, it's the it's I have it up already. It's the Randy Newman song. That's oh, cool. Randy Newman. So we'll play, we'll play it with so that. I'll pick one more song. I'll play you one, one. You play one, and then we'll play and, that, and then we'll do a little promotion, and then we'll um, play that Randy Newman song. So this is uh now the album discovery. You know who the cover model is? Not on the front, but on the back. No, I have no idea. You don't know this? No. The back cover, it's I love Discovery it's an too. Eighteen year old comedian Brad Garrett. What? Yes. What? It's Brad Garrett on the back of the Discovery. Are album. you fucking kidding? I me? am not kidding. It's it's one hundred percent. You're you're blowing my mind. Yeah. Do you no, have? Show me Discovery. Well, it's so funny. I have it on CD, so it's so tiny that you're not going to be able to. But I will I'll, be I'll able grab to see it. it. This is. Wait, wait, this I is, might be able to bring it up. I'm walking away from my microphone. You know, through Phil, I know Brad Garrett a little. And yeah. if I had known this, I would have. This would have been nothing else. I wouldn't talked about anything else. Now this won't. This doesn't look like Brad Garrett, but he, it's that's him. Are you? I'm not kidding. Are you sure? Uh, yes. I need confirmation. Kyle, this, what do you got? This is on a. Uh, this is blowing my mind. It is confirmed on uh, JeffLynnSongs.com. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make a series of calls, and that's the craziest thing I've yeah. ever heard. Yep, I know. So I was in college, or I think it was prep school or college, studying the back of this very very great album. That's craziness. Well, seventy nine, you weren't in college. No, but prep school. I guess I was in. Prep. Okay, I was in prep school. Yeah. No, I was in high school. I guess it was high school. 
So let's play from that album, Discovery, or as I call it, the Brad Garrett album, uh, Shine a Little Love. I guess you had to wait it. You still have gotta make you understand. I know it sounds a foolish thing to say, but it don't matter, baby. Cause the day's another day. You shall have left on my life. You shall have left on my life. You shall have left on my life. Eyes have failed me, but I, yeah, I, I don't think he hasn't like a credit inside. It doesn't say like model Brad Garrett or anything, but that's uh, that would that's be the dude. That would be a bad model. Yeah, you can ask Phil about it. Who know? I, I this is does Phil know music? You know, I got to tell you, uh, yes, no, Phil knows music very. He's got much better taste than either one okay. of us. And much classier. Uh, What's classier than us? What, what, what would he? Phil, like? Phil would be more. No, uh, no, I'm saying he, he he'd rather talk uh, Dylan or okay or citizen, you know, Orson Welles or okay. Uh, Hitchcock. He's a, you know, more elevated. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen is, but it's all about Bruce. Okay, him. cool. But this is like, there's moments, that, like, being the kind of deep geeks that we are, what's amazing when there's a fact you don't know like that, I know it makes you so excited. Like my mind was blown last year when I realized one of my favorite Van Halen songs, I, I'll wait. From night to, uh, I know what you're going to uh, say. You know, for, I had no idea that I'll Wait was co-written by Michael McDonald. No, yep. it never, and I guess it must have been on that label all those years yeah. that it said McDonald. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I never thought, and I didn't, the Ted Templeman connection. Yep, with but the you doobies. Know, that gave me hours of joy thinking, you know, and when I saw uh, at the CMAs or whatever was around Michael McDonald, I was like, dude, you, you know, <laughs> I, want, I, I knew I loved you, but I love you more because I think that's one of my favorite songs. I think I'm, I, I could be wrong about this, but I think initial pressings might not have had him listed. Well, that's what I, I, I that's what I like to think because yeah. I think I would, that's, I had the pressing, you know, when yeah. I bought it immediately and I don't think it was there in my mind because I had no idea. And I still, I never, you know, I did. Yeah, because there's no other, there's no other co-writers on any, outside co-writers on any Van Halen stuff. It's always just the band. Yes. So uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Yes. So uh, you have one more ELO song for us and then we'll play this Randy Newman thing. Uh, I think we never did. Uh, let's end with a hit. I think we didn't do Telephone Line, did we? Mm -hmm. Nope. That was on my list though. Uh, so let's that's do good. That. And then while we're listening to that. I just want to double check because again, this is how deep geek we are. Mm -hmm. Jeff Lynn, did he do Falling in Love and Four Eyes on that record or just Falling in Love? Or I'll look just... that up, Kyle. So I want to make sure okay. we're playing a legitimate Jeff Lynn produced track. Google Land of Dreams Jeff Lynn production because I want to make sure we don't leave the people. David, I know how the internet works. No, it's this machine well, here. Currently, you're on eBay looking at something. Well, I just opened up a window. <laughs> You're on, a, you're on Friendster, so I thought that's that was a, that's problematic. A, I, I was bidding on the Hermit of Pink Hollow, of, of Mink Hollow, of Pink Hollow. <laughs> All right, uh, this is Telephone Line.
played Calling in America and this. And I think there are two songs based on the fact that Jeff Lynne would often be dissatisfied with his phone calls. Yeah. Now, I'm not a good phone person, and I've never written a masterpiece about it. He wrote a couple. You know, it's yeah. like it's like he's just he can do that magic that he the voodoo he do do so well. Well, I went to Wikipedia and they don't they have the produ- producers listed, but not uh, by each track because there's multiple producers on that, including Mark Knopfler. Yes, so. I'm going to pray that it's uh, falling in love, which is my favorite song on the record. Yeah, I like that song a lot. <sighs> but is it? Maybe it's both. Maybe we should not play one of these because if we're wrong. So we'll just play that. Uh, yeah, we'll just play the. Um, you want? I, I will play instead. I'm going to switch gears, but by listen to those songs, and let's pay tribute to the way that we did barely get to the point of this broadcast, this podcast, and play "Getting to the Point" from Balance of Power, which I now know is Jimmy Pardo's favorite ELO record, and hopefully that will be enough to get my wife in to watch him talking to me or someone that she actually talking likes. to you it'll be talking to you no now, wait a minute is this our play out song or this is i think we shouldn't play unless we ultimately you decide that it's falling in love did Je- I, I need to check it out well, i thought we were going to play that other song from born to lose that was written about elo as our play oh that's the song we're that's the do. song yeah. yeah oh thank god that's good so we will play out on story of a rock and roll band Okay, but before we go, uh, David... Getting to the point. Oh, you want to play getting to... You just played one. Oh, it's your turn. No, you... We're done. We're done. (laughs) I will ask you this. What is your... I won the tennis tournament. Let's just get back to what's important. Uh, Let's make tennis great again. What is your favorite ELO album? If you could only choose one, what would it be? For me, it's New World Record. For me, it is New World Record. It it is also? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, But... I don't listen to it more than the I I'm I never listen to my favorite record most. There's always a record mm-hmm. that is later and not as popular or critically supported that I listen to much more. And that would and be for Balance of Power. Discovery, the oh, Brad Garrett Discovery. record. Okay, the Brad Garrett the, album. Which by the way, Discovery, the joke, Jeff Dry, it's disco. You know, disco discovery. Disco ovary? Disco ovaries. It's about it's a tribute to that and that was a joke made in the Rock solid women of rock solid issue of Playboy, I believe. <laughs> Originally, David, you're at Wild About Music. How do you know? On Twitter, I am. Do you have a website? No, I, uh, I'm on Facebook uh, because of the '70s, '60s, '80s. You have like thing. a fan page on there where people can go and like your page. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So do that and follow David. He uh, always does a wild song of the day, or mostly. And I haven't should. done one today, I don't think. Uh-oh, it's got to be an ELO song. Because I, I play think. tennis until... All it's I've got is play a, tennis and this. Then it's got to be a song about tennis. I, Maybe anyone you do for, Back and for Forth t- by Foo Fighters. Oh, oh that's not bad. I that's was going to go tune. for Anyone for Tennis by Cream, which I don't even like, but I always use it because <laughs> it's a tennis song. But I like Kyle's idea. Yeah, and, ba- and by the way, this is a rock solid exclusive. The Foo Fighters are not breaking up. Is that a rock solid exclusive? I, they, by the way, I, I was going for it. I was like, that night, I was like, oh my God, no, no, and no, they weren't. That video I, was hilarious. Nick Lachey, was. by the way, Nick Lachey, who I've worked with, that was, was great. freaking great. Like, yes. And you probably go, I like this a little bit more. I know I liked your it taste. a lot. I really yeah. liked it. I was like, kind of like Daryl Hall being in the Foo Fighters. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. Would rock. Or when Rick Springfield sang with him for the uh, Sound uh, City thing. The Sound City album, and my wife... Rick Springfield is the guy in her life. Mm-hmm. I'm 
merely, you know, a plus three. You're third. Yes. Yeah. Jimmy oh, no. Pardo, second. No, Rick Spring. But I will always say, and I've said this to Rick because I had the feud. We had a bitter feud. Mm-hmm. We were competing with each other, although he didn't fight as hard as I did. But the song on Sound City, his is much better than the McCartney song. It's better than it Stevie Nicks' song. It is. The best song mm-hmm. is the Rick Springfield song. And yeah. his new album, Rocket Science, I love. It's gr- I bought it for my wife who, when I met my wife, she had one CD. <laughs> One working class dog. <laughs> this is this is where maybe you should have married her. Uh oh. The only album she had was a a CD. I guess it was mm-hmm. the soundtrack to About Last Night. I have no idea why. Uh, which does have "She's the Shape of Things to Come." Right? Yes, yes, it does by John Oates. Yeah. Uh, and then I went out and bought her Rick Springfield's Greatest Hits because the day I asked her out for the first time. She turned me down because she was going to see a Rick Springfield tour rehearsal at the Pelicans Retreat. And she said, oh, my God, this guy works at Rolling Stone. I can't tell him I like Rick Springfield. And I like, it turns out, like, a, weeks later, she realized I'm, like, the biggest Rick Springfield fan. <laughs> I just bought her the new album as a CD. Yeah. And she was, she, she was so moved, she didn't yell at me for spending the money on it. She simply <laughs> said, thank you. I also had the About Last Night soundtrack because it has Living Inside My Heart uh, a John Waite song written by Don Henley and Danny Korchmar. And it also had, no, no, I'm sorry. If anybody, if anybody had, had, had a heart. heart. Which Crosby, Stills, Nash do as yes. well. Their version is not nearly no, as good John as John Waite's version. Now, and the other song that I, I, We're really I just screwed up. Here. I screwed up. It's uh, And then the other song that was on there is uh, Living Inside My Heart, Bob Seger song. Yeah. It was an outtake. Whose birthday it is, I believe, as we're recording this Today. What if we just kept piling facts on top of each other what, one what, after the other? What do you mean? What if? What, what if? The fuck we, is, by the that's way, exactly, that's why Kyle is like cannot wait to get out of here. It's like a, it's like a terrorist uh, holding of Kyle. You're you're at Kyle Dotson. Yes. You recently tweeted for Tig. I did. Or what did you say? Your first tweet was what? It's fun. Very funny. Uh, I t- think t- I said I'm I'm ticking for tweet. You're ticking for tweet. <laughs> I have to. We, I just went to the Temple Israel of Hollywood fundraiser at Largo. We we've been to Largo. Yes, you took me there. And they always have the greatest comedians. This year, Tig was supposed to be the headliner, and instead, Bill Burr, who to me was who's great, mm-hmm. but yeah. not exactly. It was, it was it was like the least Jewish group of. Uh, it was uh, the great comedians were Al Madrigal, who was oh he's great, spectacular. He's really and, Pete a, Holmes. and a nice guy. Pete oh, Holmes I worked with yeah, I worked with Al once on one show, and he's yeah, he's the really a great guy. And Bill Burr, but Tig didn't show up, so she owes me a. Promise. Here's why Al. Here's the kind of comedians I like. I met Al Madrigal. We did a Never Not Funny live at uh, Max FunCon uh, one year. And I'd never met Al Madrigal before, and we, we were sitting together eating. He was sitting with, uh, he knew Jimmy, and uh, w- when I would joke, he would he would legitimately laugh. And I know sometimes when comedians meet people they don't know, they just they won't they just won't oh, give yeah. it up. And they he was not, won't laugh for amateurs or people they don't. No, know. and he was yeah. totally cool. He's like, "What's your name again?" I'm like, "Pat." He's like, "Oh man, he's real fun." You know, he's just really a nice, just a nice guy. No, guy just nice. wants to have fun and funny as hell. Um. We are at Rock Solid Show. We are at uh, Pat underscore Francis. If you go to the rocksolid.com, rocksolidpodcast.com, we have a, a link there to get into Amazon mm-hmm. and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. So, uh, David, thanks as always. Thank also, you. Also, I want to say I, admit, I have been checking the Rock Solid voicemail and no one's been calling it. So, okay, call guys, in. you got to call it. You 33081 Rocks. Yeah. We'll play it. We'll play it. We're going to play if it. There's now. nothing on there. You can't play it. Yeah. No fun <laughs> if you don't call in. Um, so Kyle, what are we playing out with? Born again. Randy Newman, right? 
Yeah, story of a rock story, and roll band. Yeah, the story of a rock and roll band by Randy Newman. Thank you, David Wilde. Thank you. Stay.